Hello, my name is Deontay Epps. Welcome to episode 76 of the Duo Sports and Stuff podcast. I am joined by the one and only Joe Lenardi. Joey Brackage. Joe, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm great, Deontay. Nice to meet you. Likewise, likewise. And let's let's just start it off the top. Obviously, this past weekend, one of the craziest weekends in, in college hoops, man. Top six teams out of the top ten fell on the road. Um, what is this kind of a precursor to what we can expect with the tournament coming on in a few next a uh, few weeks? Yeah, it sure feels that way. It, it it feels like the whole sport knew that March was right around the corner, and it was it was time to uh, deliver on what we've we've come to expect over the years. And when doesn't it deliver? Right. Every time. Yeah. Every time. It's just like an early, like we got a little, little taste of what, what can we, yes. what we can expect in the next few weeks. Um, when it comes to the selection committee and their kind of criteria, you hear a lot about quad wins, quad one. What does that mean? What for the, for the average, you know, watcher of, of college, what is a quad one win? Sure. Uh, well, what, what what the NCA does and and the members of the selection committee do is every game you play, every t- every game a team plays falls into one of four buckets, and let's call them buckets one two three and four, and because there's four they're called quads, um, uh, and and so, so you, your hardest games are in quad one and your easiest games are in quad two or quad four, excuse me. And everything falls somewhere along that spectrum. And, you know, a simple way, maybe the simplest way to look at it is all of the teams in the NCAA tournament, except for the winners of, you know, the, the lower conferences, which qualify automatically, all the at-larges that are selected are basically quad one teams, top, top 50 or their equivalents. And, uh, you know, generally they like to see teams how they do against comparable competition. So your record in quad one becomes among the most important criteria as it should be. Right. And what other criteria are you looking for as far as, you know, we got the quads, do they look at the Kim Palm rankings? Like what other kind of criteria is the, is the selection committee looking for when they're seeding the teams? Well, in terms of, of computer rankings, probably their own would be first, and that's NET, the NCAA evaluation tool, NET being the shorthand of that. Uh, and and it, it measures kind of the quality of your play based upon the quality of your competition, right? So, you know, it factors in strength of schedule, margin of victory, Offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency. Uh, you, you know what? 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 What do you score? What do you allow? Uh, how does that compare with the others that that you're fighting for spots with? Uh, it's. I, I have. This is year four of it. Replacing something that was called the RPI, the Rating Percentage Index. Uh, it, it's a better metric than the RPI. There, there's no doubt. In, in my mind anyway, uh, is it perfect? No. Are there any of the computer rankings that are perfect? No. I think Ken Pomeroy that you mentioned is probably 
the best uh, and and kind of the standard. But that you know the the, the net is right along with it, uh, and and you know I, I've always looked at kind of an aggregation, a combination of the metrics, even before the days of the net as a way of identifying outliers, right? Like, like, you, you know, that a statistician would tell you, you know, throw out the high and throw out the low and take an average. And that's what you get. Like we probably all had teachers in high school and college who would throw out the high grade and the low grade yeah. and, right. you know, give you a grade on everything in the middle, because that's probably where your true talent and ability is. And there's something right. to be said for that. Right. And, you know, I'm I'm a Baylor grad, so I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about my Baylor Bears. And, you know, it's been a quite a, the journey of the past few weeks with them, with everything they've gone through this season. How do you feel Baylor is as a contender heading into the uh, the tournament this year? I think they're dangerous enough to repeat, uh, which is staggering given what they lost. Right. Uh, what what what's been built at Baylor by Scott and, and his staff and all the people behind the scenes is is frankly one of the greatest success stories in the history of college basketball. I mean, you, you know, it's not like Baylor's ever a basketball school. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and and and, you know, last year, Gonzaga and Baylor in the regular season and you know, basically lapped the field. They, they were, yeah. you know, not just ahead of a step ahead of everyone, many steps ahead because they were older and just better. Uh, this year in Baylor's case, they've done it a different way, but, and, and I wouldn't say anybody can say included is, you know, multiple steps ahead of the field, the way it was the case last year. But you, you know, both of them are one seeds today. Gonzaga will be on selection Sunday. Baylor's maybe 50-50, but they're not going to be worse than a two, I guess. I mean, I suppose there's a chance that they lose out and drop to a three. But, you know, they're going to be playing in the second weekend and have right. every opportunity to get back to another Final Four. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Yep. Joe, one last question. I know I don't have much time with you. I'm going to get this one last question in. We have um, – a segment where we have viewers and listeners of our podcast come on and, you know, have a question and you'll be our first guest to actually uh, answer a question from one of our listeners. So let's check it out. All right. Joe, I don't claim to be a smart man, but I have a question that I think a lot of people share with me. Isn't every bubble by nature of the team's performance and ranking a weak bubble or are there real reasons that make this trope a worthwhile talking point? Thanks. Is every bubble a weak bubble? Weak bubble. In the strictest <laughs> sense, yes, I would agree. And, and which, so, but, but then I would take it one step further and say, if they're all weak, then maybe they're just average. Right. Right. And I would actually argue relative to other years that this year is a stronger bubble. I think there are better teams on better teams right in the best, from a yeah. basketball sense. Forget resumes. Okay. Uh, I, I, 
I think that there are better teams in, in the hunt for those last few spots, but uh, uh, you know, I, I, I would simply call bubble teams inconsistent, right? And if they were consistently good, as opposed right. to sporadically good, then they wouldn't be on the bubble. They'd already be in the field. They'd be in the field. Uh, so it's yeah. a great question. And I would <laughs> yeah, say I from- may not be a smart man either, uh, <laughs> but I but I pretty much agree. Yeah, that was from our guy Matt from the Between Two Bears podcast. But Joe, All I know right. it was a short, a short, short time with you, but definitely appreciate you hopping on with me and appreciate it. You have a great afternoon. Thank <laughs> you.